Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. You know, now that I know that it's National or Appreciation, Pastor Appreciation Day, I feel good. Thank you, thank you. Especially because there's like Donut Appreciation Day, you know, I fit right in. It's good to feel welcome along with that as well. This morning we are going to be taking a break from our other series. I've been enjoying doing that series, but Sunday night... I forget what time it was, uh, my son told us something's happening in Las Vegas right now, and we heard the news that there was a, a mass shooting, and at that time there was a lot of mixed messages. Of course, the news always gets it wrong at the very beginning because they're just trying to find out what's happening, and they're grasping at everything that they're hearing you know, there was a story, it's multiple shooters, and at that time, I think there was eight people confirmed dead, and now we know that the toll is 58 dead, 489 injured, and at the time, one of the things that was interesting to me was my thinking went immediately to who's behind it, right? Is this a, a terrorist attack from ISIS, is this some kind of, uh, you know, motivated political attack from Antifa? Is there going to be repercussions because of this? Is this going to cause some more consequence because of who initiated it? And the whole idea I had in my mind was how are we going to respond, not based on what was happening, but based on who was doing what was happening. I thought, well, this is interesting. I'm almost more concerned about who is doing this than what's being done. Because who's doing this in my mind plays out as a scenario that determines how I'm supposed to react in this way. And just as there were some people, rightfully so, running for cover to get away from what was happening, there were some people who were shielding their loved ones and giving their life while this was happening. And then there were others, those first responders, who were running towards what was happening while others were running away to try and protect and stop the issue. And I wanted to talk about how are we going to respond when events like this take place? You know, it's been crazy with all the hurricanes that are taking place. And then you have a mass shooting. And then Tom Petty even dies. You know what I mean? It's just like, 
all these things happen that really have an effect on us emotionally. What are we going to do? Are we going to run away from things? Are we going to run in fear? Are we going to react in a way that is fearful, angry? Are we going to move to retaliation? How do we respond in these things? And one of the things we need to recognize is that this is a part of the world we live in because there is evil in this world. And we are always impacted by the things that are close to home. I know of two people personally who were at this event. Both of them are okay. I know through other people, five people who were at this event. One was shot, one was killed. Most of you probably have a connection to someone because it was so close to us and because there were so many people there the odds are that you know someone or know someone who knows someone who was at this event. And just that fact causes us to, it brings it closer to home, right? It makes us think about, wow, what if one of my children were there? Or I know someone who was planning to go or I was planning to go but couldn't make it. How are we supposed to deal with these things? And the truth is, I mean, this happens throughout the world. You know, the hurricane that took place in the United States, in Puerto Rico, the events that happened throughout the world. In 2015, there was an attack in Paris, 130 people killed. 89 were in a theater alone. 413 people were also injured. Almost 400 of those people very seriously injured. In 2004, Madrid, there was a train bombing. Explosion killed 192 people, injured around 2,000 people. We hear these events, and because they're so long ago, we tend to forget that these things happen, not all the time, but they do happen. And when they happen, how are we to live in a world where these things do happen? We, We need to remember that Jesus lived in a world that was filled with violence. He lived in a world that was probably more violent than we have been aware of, that these kinds of things weren't distant from him. He didn't live in an ivory tower. He he didn't live excluded from these things. And he talks to the people who were in a world that were basically dominated by Rome and enslaved by Rome and how they should live. And I want to look at what Jesus says so that we can take his words and try and filter through them. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is going to say some hard things. At least they're hard for me. I imagine they're going to be hard for you too. Everything in me is going to say, nope, that's not how it is. And I'm going to have to wrestle with what does he mean and what does he want of me? And so I invite you to be a part of this little wrestling match as we go through it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 38. This is part of Jesus' Beatitudes, his sermon sermon that was on the mount. In verse 38, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, 
Do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, his end game here is perfection. Okay, there you go. Be perfect, everyone. Now, go have a good day, right? No, it's not only be perfect. Be perfect like God is perfect. And I don't know about you, but that just... I, I want to close the door and say, okay, can't do that. I, I'm checking out here. But you see, what he's doing is he's trying to push us to understand something. The word that's used for perfect is the word in the Greek, teleos. And it means to be brought to completion, to be fully accomplished, fully developed. It means to be matured. It's to be grown up. And, and the idea here is God is who he is supposed to be. You are to be who you are supposed to be. Just as God is fulfilling his role, you and I are to fulfill our role as human beings, as what it means to be human. You know, it's interesting that we, being human, so often live inhumanely with one another. And we have the highest intentions, but we live betraying those very intentions. We know what we should be. We know how we should live. And yet all of us live below what we know we should do. And his challenge is for us to be fully human, to live humanely, to live as God has intended for us to live. He's not saying, I want you to never make a mistake. What he is saying is fulfill your character that God has created. And we see the fulfillment of all these things in Jesus. All these things that he's talking about are things that Jesus stepped into and Jesus did. And so he's pushing us to be who God has created us to be. That's what it means to be perfect. That's what it means to be complete. As God is complete, we are to fulfill what God has intended for us. And then he goes into these things where he says, you have heard that it was said. In other words, this is how people are talking, right? This is the word on the street is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Don't do the crime if you can't pay the time. Right, the word on the street is this is how it is. Want you to know these things. That was like bread or something, right? Way back then, for those of you who remember. 
And so the word on the street is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you something else. And you and I know that we are living in a time and a culture where don't take anything from anybody. If someone is going to take from you, you are going to take from them. And the whole idea of Scripture originally with an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth was to limit retribution, right? It wasn't so that, you know, you take an eye, I'm taking your head. The whole idea was, no, the retribution was supposed to be even. Because if everyone got what they deserved, we'd have a toothless and blind world, right? You see... We are to be perfect as God is perfect. That doesn't mean you get God's attributes of power, attributes of knowledge, right? If you were all powerful, imagine what could happen. Just going to work on the 10 freeway at rush hour. Boom, everyone's gone, right? What would happen when that waiter took too long to get your food or brought it to you cold, boom, he's gone, right? If you were all powerful, you would probably be all alone because we don't have the character of God. We cannot be entrusted with the power of God. But what he's wanting to do is push us to his character. And so instead of this, I'm going to get even with you attitude, we're supposed to have a different attitude. In the next verse, verse 39, it's very troubling. It says, do not resist the one who is evil. And I have to tell you, those words make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Just what do you mean don't resist those who are evil? Am I supposed to let evil just go and not do anything? But you see, the word resist has to do with resistance. It has to do with this friction. And really what he's talking about, it's kind of like don't wrestle with evil. You guys remember slinkies? I loved slinkies. They used to be made out of metal back in the day. Now they're plastic, right? And you'd get them on the stairs and they'd go dropping down the stairs. That's about all you could do with them. And this back and forth thing, right? But the whole idea is you push one way, it goes one way, but then you have to push the other way. And there's this constant motion that has to take place. If there's not some kind of motion being pushed, it's going to stop and just stay there like a spring. And so the idea of not resisting is the idea of not wrestling with, okay? You're not supposed to wrestle back and forth with evil. You know, after the shooting took place, the comments that take place, there was a CBS executive, a lawyer for CBS, who posted on her Facebook that she had no sympathy for those who were there because they are probably Trump supporters and gun toters, right? And so she was fired, rightfully so, but then the comments to her, there were death threats to her, right? You say that, I'll kill you. Do you see this wrestling? It's not bad enough that there is this person who, who brought this violence. All of a sudden, there's someone who has to continue wrestling. Well, those people deserve this. And then somebody, well, you deserve this. And now we see this wrestling going on. Some person started something. Some person said response. Some person says in response to that. And pretty soon, this wrestling match is going on. Who's winning here? The violence. 
This mentality, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Oh, you said that? I'll say this. You did that? I'll do this. And we're not supposed to wrestle with this evil. You cannot resist evil with evil because evil always wins and you become who they are. If I'm going to engage in that mentality, oh yeah, you said you have no sympathy, I have no sympathy for you. I'm going to see that what happens to them is going to happen to you. And this mentality starts to overtake our way of thinking. There is a way to win this war over violence, and it's not going to be through more violence. It's amazing how we have such technological abilities today, right? I can get on my phone and I can talk face-to-face with someone in Europe as if they were sitting right next to me. That's incredible. I can search on my phone just about anything. I can Google it. You want to know what information? Where before you need to get an encyclopedia, go home and buy that or go to the library. Now it's there at your fingertips. They're able to clone sheep. They are able to develop new human organs to be able to even 3D print human organs can be transplanted in people. You guys remember Xerox machines? Oh man, those messy things. Thought they were so cool. We have all this technology, but we cannot change the condition of the human heart. And you would think by now we would start to learn how to deal with things, but really we're in the same place. All this technology, and we've yet learned how to rise above this mentality that seeks out vengeance, that wants to hurt when we've been hurt, because that's what we do. Verse 39, Jesus says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Anyone else just like say, no. If anyone slaps, duck and weave, right? If they, I mean, it's like, I'm going to float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retaliate, right? Or else I'm going to turn both cheeks and run. I'm, it's like I'm not going to stay there. I, I don't want to be in, in this situation. And, and again, context is important. You know, Jesus speaking to people who were enslaved, This could be a a belittling situation where a a Roman soldier could backhand you, slap you, and treat you as less than, basically bully you. And instead of rising up and trying to take on this, how can you fight back in a different way? I remember when I was in junior high school, There is a kid, he was like this Neanderthal of a kid. I still remember his name. His name was Howard. And Howard was a big kid, right? For I think eighth or ninth grade, I forget what grade it was, but Howard was bigger than humanly normal. 
All right, he was like some kind of genetic engineered. He lived near a power plant that went nuclear or something, right? And then me, I was probably just a little bit taller than I am today. You know, I, I probably have shrunk since that time, but I was not very big. And Howard would come down the hallway and Howard would pick me up and shake me like a rag doll. Right, he just doo, 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 and and he'd humiliate me. Here I am trying to impress the girls, you know. And Howard come and treat me like a rag doll, throw me away, and like you can't look very cool when that happens, right? And, and so, how do you deal with someone who can pulverize you? You know, what am I supposed to do? Am I going to bring a baseball bat to school? Wait for Howard? And, and I remember one time Howard did his whole shaking thing, pushed me into a locker, knocking me down, or something like that. And I remember stood up and I just, you know, trying to regain some kind of composure, trying to get people to not think I was as uncool as I appeared to be at that moment. I just looked at Howard and said, Howard, the reason no one likes you is because you're a bully. It's all I could come up with to save face, right? But a light switched on in Howard and Howard said, huh? And all of a sudden, Howard started being nice to me. Like, okay, you know, I didn't really want to be friends with Howard, but it's better than being his enemy, right? I'll take Howard, you know, patting me on the head rather than shaking me around. You will always have the right or the reason to do the wrong thing and justify yourself. You will always find it right to do the wrong thing when it justifies yourself. You know, as I look at the news and I hear different narratives, especially in the area of like terrorism, the things that are taking place, if you hear one narrative based on basically one news group, ISIS is the culmination of Islam and every Muslim ultimately is going to become what ISIS is. They're, they're going to be evil They're out to destroy the West. It's the pure expression of Islam. That's what one group says. You listen to another group, and ISIS is the direct product of American intervention and political corruption that created a context for violence against the world because of their funding to stop Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, they they provided an avenue for ISIS to come in. And depending on your narrative depends on how you think it's right to respond. And you will always find a right reason to do the wrong thing. Just find the right news source and it can justify you doing whatever you want to do, even if it's wrong. And it's easy to create narratives that blame everyone without focusing on Actually, the people who perpetrate or the corruption that is there. And we'll just blanket a group. We'll call it all the Muslims. We'll call it all the United States. And then we can do what we want and feel good about it. We have a way of doing those things. We, we, we take our wounds and we turn them into weapons. They, they motivate how we can respond because of how I was hurt. It becomes fuel. It becomes ammunition to how I will respond in these ways. That's why children who have been abused often become parents who abuse. It's the child of the alcoholic who hated his father becomes an alcoholic 
like his father. Those wounds become weapons. When someone slaps, belittles, shames you, take a different path, a higher road, look them in the eye and tell them you know that you are not like them. I am not like you. You can push me around, you can shake me around, but I am different than you. I'm not going to treat you the way you treat me because I am better. Something inside me says, no, I want to strike them harder. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be taken advantage. I want to wrestle with that evil. And Jesus is saying, don't. He's saying to take a higher path. You know, Jesus' words earlier in verse 5 where he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth first hear that and you think that's just not true jesus the meek aren't the ones who are inheriting the earth it's the powerful but then you start thinking about some of the scenarios that have happened throughout history you think about gandhi and his resistance to the british empire in india how it was a peaceful resistance that ended up taking over the whole country and great britain left Think about Martin Luther King. Again, Martin Luther King Jr. took this peaceful protest for the civil rights movement, and it has more to do with civil rights change than anything else. And it was done peacefully. You think about the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire the world has ever known. And they are gone And here are Jesus' followers meeting here in a school, in a classroom, and all over the world. And Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. We're saying that's wrong. He goes, think again. Maybe it's actually showing up. And your idea that you have to be powerful to control is just like Rome, who thought they were powerful and now are long gone. Maybe it's true. Meekness is strength under control. It is having the power to slap back, but having the strength not to. And saying, I am going to be different in how I respond. I am going to be human the way God created humans to be. What does that look like? It looks like Jesus. And if you don't act like Jesus in these situations, who are you acting like? Are you being better or worse. Again, these are things that I'm wrestling with myself. Verse 40, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. They want your shirt, give them the coat. Hey, you can't take the shirt without the coat. They go together. I bought them together, right? They match beautifully. There, you look good. How do you feel when someone steals from you? I know how I feel. I've been stolen from a few times. I can remember one time when we had, uh, I think, yeah, it was just the twins at the time. They were babies. We were living in this little two-room place out in Alhambra. And we came home, and the front door was open. I was like, huh, I didn't leave the front door open. You left the front? No, I didn't leave the front door open. We go in. Our TV's gone. Our stereo's gone. Our bedspread's gone because they put all our stuff in the bedspread and carried it out the door. 
And I remember thinking, and I came home before Corrine. I got home and it's like, oh man, our stuff's all gone. And this was all the good stuff, at least all my good stuff, right? <laughs> like my TV, my VCR, my stereo. The worst thing is I was still paying for this stuff, right? I bought it all on credit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have all this great stuff. And I, it was really nice at the time, and it was all gone. And, and Corrine came home, and I was so worried. What's she going to think? How, how is she going to respond to this? Our house has just been violated. Some strangers were here. And, and, you know, we had set up the house with all these additional locks, and they went through, like, every window. Finally, they broke through the back door window to unlock the deadbolt, got in. But they were there for a while trying to get in because they had seen us, seen our house, and we just felt so vulnerable. I remember when Corrine came in, I had put this picture of our children in where the TV was, the twins. They were like Humpty Dumpties there, they're real chunky little kids there. And I just said, well, you know, it's my way of saying, yeah, we don't have the stuff, but we still have each other. You know, you can feel better about this thing. It's how do you feel when someone takes from you? If someone takes what is yours, does it diminish who you are? Does it diminish your value? Does it make you less? Do you become less of a person because someone has taken your things? Are you allowing the loss of those things to change the character of who you are? Do they have that much control over you? That if someone with power is able to take them away, someone is able to steal them, that they've stolen your character? We allow these things to take place. And then in verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, he's not talking about working out, right? He's not talking about, okay, if you're going to go on a hiking trip, you know, and Gabe says, come on, Sam, let's go a mile. I'm like, okay, Gabe, I'm there. He goes, okay, man, we got to go too. Let's fill the burn. We got to really burn the... That's not what he's talking about. Okay. Roman soldiers had the right to enslave you to carry their things for one mile. That's all they were allowed to do. So it didn't matter where you were. It didn't matter who you were. They could see you and they could say, yeah, that's a strong guy. Hey, Ryan, get the stuff off my horse and I want you to carry for, for me one mile. And you have to. It's like, wait, I'm going to my you know, brother's baseball game. Wait a minute, I, I'm going to a party. Wait a minute, I, I have to get to work. It didn't matter. You had to do what they said. You were basically enslaved to them. What would you think every step of that mile? Probably be thinking how I could get back to them. What I could do to sabotage their stuff what I could do to get even with them. And Jesus says that the moment that you are free from their demands to carry their pack, the moment that that mile comes up and you're free, if you choose to step away from that, then you really were a slave. But if you choose to step forward, then you do so as a free person. In other words, you have to do this for me for one mile. Yeah, I got it, man. I don't want to. Okay, I did it. But then when you get to that mile and you say, hey, no, let's keep going. I got another mile in me. 
I can do this more. You see, that's your choice. That's not their choice. And you've actually turned the tables on them. This is like the, the first sting, right? You know, remember the movie The Sting or Ocean's 11 or Ocean's 12 or 13, right? Where you think one thing's going on, but then there's something else that's to- taking place. You see, he was in control of you for that mile, but then when you take control of that second mile, he is actually under your control because he can get in trouble if you go any further than the mile. And if you step in and say, I'm going to go with you two miles, I would imagine his face would be, wait, 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 no, 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 you can't do that. It's like, I'm choosing to go further. You don't get to control my choice. And I can still choose good, even though you chose evil. I am not going to let you dictate how I respond. I still can make my choice. Will you allow those in power to make the choice of how you will live? Or will you take back the choice by doing more than what was expected? See, that, that's true in every area of our lives. When situations like this happen, our response, well, you know, it's said, everyone knows, eye for an eye, two for an eye. This is how we respond. We'll get them if they got us. But what happens when this person says, you know what? I am going to pray for them. You know what? I'm going to go to the places where the people who are really in need are. I'm going to respond in a way that's going to bring healing to the situation instead of a way that brings more hate because we've got enough hate here and it should not be coming from the church. It needs to be coming from the heart of Christ who cares for everybody, even the people who we cannot stand. And Jesus is pushing me to Think about things differently. It doesn't mean that there shouldn't be laws. But laws will not change this world. There is no government. There is no constitution. There is no system that is able to change the human heart. That is something that God has to do. Jesus concludes in verse 43, you you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. These are hard words, but this is the proof that you are the children. This is what people see in Jesus. And this is what they're supposed to see in us when we choose to be what God intended for us to be. Verse 45, he says, for he makes... The sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. People want to know, where is God when there's tragedy? Something evil has taken place. Where is God in this? He's providing rain. God shows up in a world that's filled with evil, and he responds to that evil with love and with mercy. He chooses to war for us even when we war against each other. See, God is for humanity first. Countries, races, political parties, classes, they all fall beneath humanity. And we need to understand that what Jesus' intention was, was to bring 
together, one family, so that God could be seen through us in all. Verse 46, he says, If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? See, if you only love the people who are like you, you're no different than anybody. I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm like sweating. I'm like uncomfortable, okay? I'm like, what are you asking of me, Jesus? Because you're asking more of me than I feel that I have the ability to do. I really do. I feel what you're asking me is so contrary to who I am that I feel violated by it. You see, but what I'm seeing really is some of the darkness that's in me. And we're never going to overcome darkness with more darkness. We're never going to be able to overcome violence with more violence. And if we haven't learned that yet, I don't know when we will. Governments will do what governments do. Armies will do what armies need to do. That, that's a given. But you and I need to understand that the human heart was never supposed to be a container for hatred. It was never supposed to be a container for evil. That when these things happen, when hatred comes into our heart, that it poisons our mind, it poisons our soul, it poisons the way we look and the way we think. And if we allow that hatred to capture us, we will be enslaved to it. It will make us go the one mile and we will be enslaved for it. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to go beyond what you are doing. The violence we create destroys who we were intended to be. Nations need laws. I'm not saying we shouldn't have justice. We shouldn't have laws. But humans need love. We need love. The problem Problems that have existed for generations will not be solved by policies, laws, governments, constitutions. They will only be solved when there is a change in the human heart and only God can change the human heart. And he's trying to change mine. And these words of Jesus press hard on me at times like this. They challenge me on how I'm supposed to think and how I'm supposed to respond. They affect me. James in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. I love that. That's the message translation. He concludes they come from what is within you. See, all the things that are happening, they're not just happening. They're happening in you. And they show up outside of you. You can take this down and you can look at it in the quarrels just among one another. The things that happen even in our own families. Where do you think they happen? They start from within you. And they show up without. 
And what God wants to change is what's in us. What God wants to do is bring healing to the soul that has been darkened because of the pain caused to it, because of the hurt inflicted, that wants to retaliate, that wants to respond, and God wants to bring in his love, his grace. Today, when we think about the people who've lost their lives and the senseless violence in Las Vegas and how so many families are living today in a place that they never could imagine living because of losing people so important to them. Let us choose to honor their lives by shining light on the darkness, by becoming people who will change the way we respond. And instead of running away in fear of the violence, instead of being people who react with more violence, instead of being people who just want to get even, let's be people who run towards those who have been wounded, who have been hurt, so that we can bring healing. You see, it's the people who go in harm's way to reach those who are doing harm that actually stop the harm. people who reach out and change the heart of the people who are enslaved to these ways of thinking are the ones who are able to change from the ground what happened. That's the story of Paul. He was persecuting the church. He could not stand these Christians. He was taking them into prison to be put to death. And who does Jesus reach out to? He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? And when God takes Saul's heart, he changes the world. You see, the world is changed when one person is changed. Oh, it might be a small change, but it's a change. And God capturing Saul's heart changed the lives of so many. Let's let God capture and change our heart. Let's be willing to run into the lives of people who are hurting and bring love and peace. If one person changes, the world can change. Now, all these things that Jesus mentions, they're being brought into a context of interaction with one another. He's not saying there should not be armies. He's not saying there should not be police force. He's not saying that there should not be justice. There needs to be justice. But again, countries will have laws, but humans need love. Jesus said when they was asked, you know, before Father, you know, you cannot enter. And they say, why not? Well, when I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick, you didn't come and bring me food. They say, when were you in prison? When were you sick? When were you naked? When did we do these things? Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. That should haunt us. What are we doing to the least of these? How are we changing the world and allowing the light of God to show up in me. How are we being humane? How are we being human? How are we being perfect 
as our Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Lord, as I have read these words over and over again, time and time again, I find myself trying to justify actions and feelings and emotions, and you don't budge. Wherever I want to show vengeance, you're pushing me to mercy. And Lord, I have been in a place of needing mercy, and I'm so glad that you've shown it to me. Lord, may we be people who are quick to extend your mercy to others. May we be people who are able to look at our own lives and and see where we lack, where maybe we are wrestling with evil, where we are trying to overpower darkness with the darkness that is already within us. So I pray you would illuminate our own souls, God. Help us to see clearly, God, I don't have all the answers, but these are your words and they are meant to challenge us. And I believe that you were true when you said the meek would inherit the earth. I believe that your words are true, that this is how things change. And Lord, I might not see it in my lifetime and my kids and their kids may not see it in their lifetime. But Lord, this is how the world is going to change by you taking hold of the human heart and stopping the violence. Lord, I refuse to run away. I refuse to run in fear. I want to be a first responder and run towards the problem with your love and bring your grace as the solution for mankind's sickness. Help me to do so clearly. I pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. May you respond to everything that happens around you with the character God has intended you to have. May you be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And may you show the love to those around you who are searching for hope. May they find it in you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.